Excuse me, are we on? I think so. Thank you. Hello, it's Paul. It's Nessa. It's Paul, Paul and Nessa's, Nessa's Happy, Happy Hour. Hour. A sketch comedy podcast with added stuff and nonsense. Will it be rants or talky bits? Will it be sketches or strange but true? Will it be features, live characters? You'll, You'll have, have to wait, wait and see. We hope it's episode 14. We hope it's episode 14. We hope it's episode... <laughs> Abridged for radio, number seven. So at first I thought he was going to ask me out, but then he didn't ask me out on the Thursday. So when he got to Friday, I thought I'm going to ask him out. But when I went to his office to ask him out, he was out, so I couldn't ask him out. But then on Monday he came to ask me out, and then he finally asked me out. Do you think I look like Richard Hammond? Girl interrupted. Hello. <laughs> hello. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to episode 14 of 14, Happy Hour. Episode 14. Yeah, so, in fact, we have now gone past the number of episodes that Monty Python had in their series of oh, sketch comedy. Did you, did you shut up. You've always got to get in a sodding Monty Python reference yeah, in, haven't you? Yeah, definitely, we whenever don't. I can. Yeah, well, just shut up and let's get on with our show. All right, yes, let's get on with our show. So now, <laughs> listeners, for something completely different. <laughs> oh, fuck Welcome to the news. I'm Fiona Taxi. After yet more dramatic 180 degree changes in policy by the government this week, the letter U has issued a statement saying it no longer is prepared to be associated with such actions. Up until now, the 21st letter of the alphabet has been happy to be the spokesletter for the innocent phrase U-turn. But because of the way the government has handled itself over recent months, it seems this is no longer the case. With more on the story in Cheltenham, where the alphabet is actually holding their annual conference at the moment, is our chief alphabet editor, Jim Sesame. Thank you, Fiona. Yes, uh, this broke earlier this morning when the letter U issued the statement in which it said it was categorically refusing any more to allow itself to be used in the phrase U-turn because of, and I quote, those utterly ridiculous bollock bags of a cabinet that continue to insist on fucking up everything they get their grubby little hands on. Uh, there's been no comment from Downing Street yet, but, uh, but we are expecting that soon. Did the letter U say anything else? Well, it did suggest that the duties might be passed on to other letters, uh, if only temporarily, whilst you takes a sabbatical. Uh, it suggested the letter V, or, or even perhaps the letter C. Now, we're not sure whether... I'm the... sorry, Jim, I'm just going to interrupt you, because we're going over to the press room in the conference centre there, where the letter W is making a statement. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I just want to read this uh, brief statement. Thank you. Yeah, settle down. Thank you. I, I just want to read a brief statement. Thank you. <clears throat> 
as leader of the Alphabet Union, I just want to distance myself from the comments made this morning by one of our members. Obviously, all letters have a role to play, lexicographically speaking, and uh, to speak out in this way without proper consultation first goes against our constitution. Ironically, it's paragraph U which states that rule. Now, a full investigation will be launched, and uh, I can't really say anything further until then. Uh, but I will say that, in line with distancing myself from this, I no longer wish to be known as W, and from now on will identify as Double V. Which makes more sense anyway, if you think about it. Thank you! There you go, that was letter W that... Sorry, double V, I should say, making that statement. Jim. Well, very interesting there from the leader of the Alphabet Union. Of course, a very outspoken letter himself, as we know. And it's not the first time that, uh, that uh, it is uh, hinted at the concern held over the letter U. Now... I'm actually joined here now by the letter C. Uh, C, what do you make of your suggestion that uh, you yourself be used in the phrase for a while? I, I suppose for it to become a C term. Absolutely not. It's ludicrous. I mean, apart from anything else, I've already got my hands full, and I? I'm responsible for C-section and C-bomb. I can hardly take on a third row, can I? Do you think V will consider it? No way. <laughs> She's overused as it is already, being shorthand for the word very. She hasn't had a whole day in years. I'm telling you, she's V-tired. Oh, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, V gets royalties every time it's used, and she could do with the money at the moment. No, I tell you. You is a right cunt for what he's done today. Oh, uh, I, I'm sorry there. Sorry about that, listeners, uh, for, for the dropping of that sea bomb. <laughs> well, hey, ka-ching! <laughs> Thanks, pal. Back to you, Fiona. Thank you, Jim. Jim Sesame there at the annual Alphabet Conference in Cheltenham. Next, are bees becoming an endangered species? Uh, no, I don't think so, Fiona. I saw them about half an hour ago in the canteen. No, Jim, not the letter B, the buzzy B. Oh. I've got a question, a genuine question. I've got a question, answer me this. So here's a feature we haven't done in a while. Hello. And um, I'm sure we've got lots of questions out there. This is Genuine Question. Genuine <laughs> as, Question. As the jingle yes. quite happily states. I've got a genuine question. <laughs> Go on then. So, all right. Genuine Question. Hmm. What is the point of having a middle name? Now, I'm not saying that in a horrible way. What's well, the best point? Not, no, I've no. Got a you've got name. a middle name. I haven't got That's a middle you're name. Jealous and, then. And, and, yeah, exactly. I wish I did have a middle <laughs> name. But I was because I was thinking about it the other day, and I thought, yeah, but why? What's What's the point? Is it like Is it like a family tradition thing, or does it go back to actual legal stuff? Like you had to have a middle name. I think it probably goes back to when you all used to call your kids the same names as the parents. So it would be like, you, because there is a tradition of you 
you're called by your your middle name is your maternal grandfather's Something name like if you're that. a boy and yeah. whatever is it and a girl maybe <laughs> who cares these days <laughs> i now christen you <laughs> jemima frank <laughs> peterson ah <laughs> oh, yes yeah, now there's the other thing all this like gender fluid names i don't know what that means <laughs> Hence the complete silence of the studio. But do you know what I mean? Like, because I do wish I had a middle name. I I, I think it would be quite cool. (laughs) You give me plenty of middle names, (laughs) and I don't think any of them are broadcastable. (laughs) I think we should get the listeners to... um, You could change your name um, on on the depot. Depot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. The best name wins. This this isn't like... This this isn't an episode of Taskmaster. Click... (laughs) That's it. I'm your genie. Rub me. <laughs> and that's the out. I've got a question, a genuine question. I've got a question. Answer me this. Movies abridged for radio. Number 12. Uh, excuse me, I think you're sitting in my seat. Um, no, this is 24C. Oh, yeah, I'm terribly sorry. No, I thought it was 24B. Sorry, my mistake. Ha. Oh, hang on. Audrey? What? Audrey. Audrey Crookshank. Weren't we at school together? Oh. No, sorry, my name's Gladys. I think you've got me mistaken for someone else. Oh. Yes, I, I, I must have that. Sorry, sorry, sorry to bother you. Sorry. Strangers on a train. Jokes, jokes that make you laugh. Jokes, jokes that make you cry. Jokes, jokes that are really, really funny. Uh-huh. Jokes. <laughs> oh, dear me. You'd think after such a long time I'd have missed this, but no, I haven't. Go on then, get on with it. <laughs> How do you know if the sea is friendly? How do you know if the sea... Oh, go on. Yeah. Does it give you... It waves. Yeah, it waves. <laughs> right, I, I, well, hang on then. I've got one for you. Du, 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 Paul's joke, Paul's joke. No, du, du, no. Du, 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 Paul's joke. Why was the beach embarrassed? <laughs> because the seaweed <laughs> you're allowed that one don't ever do a joke yourself okay, again okay why did <gasps> why did nobody at the sea school jokes like the that sea? make you laugh jokes <laughs> that make you cry jokes that are really really funny jokes I'll put the proper one in Honey, I'm home. <laughs> Darling, good day at the office. No, next obligatory question. <laughs> Can I get you a drink? The dog ate your slippers. My slippers? How did they taste? Rough. Rough? <coughs> Sorry, awful. Uh, uh, bug. Why, you cheeky? Yes, Graham. 
Bring me a drink while I hurl something at the dog. Darling, that was the microwave. It matters not, wife. The dog is dead. I am satisfied. Someone's a grizzly grass patron this evening. I'd better not mention that the neighbours, with whom you seem to have a weekly feud, are coming round to dinner tonight. Good. Good? I will finally get to kill them. <laughs> oh, Murgy Poos, you can't do that. I can do anything I want. I am Magala, Lord of all grass patrons. I do not do dinner with neighbours who annoy me from episode to episode. <laughs> shut that can laughter up. Where is our wayward son? At a peace rally with his hippie friends. Then I shall give him a good thrashing when he returns. Cut, cut. Guys, this has gone very dark and off script. It, it's supposed to be light and amusing. Raymond, I am not comfortable with this sitcom dialogue you have written for us. It does not feel natural to me. My wife and I never engage in such facile conversation. And we don't own a dog. That reminds me. Someone clear away the dog corpse now, please. Smiling like this all the time is hurting the reconstructive surgery on my shattered cheeks. If we're going to break into the human TV market and indoctrinate them into submission, we have to obey the rules of the art form. This is exactly what happened last week. My wife invited some neighbours round to dinner. I was in a bad mood after work and supposed hilarity ensued because we were both from incompatible backgrounds and practised contrary belief systems. Can I not have learned from the experience and refused them entry? Can my wife not have developed common sense? That's the way the format works. Characters undergo the same mistakes every week. No one ever learns. Uh, did you not watch the 34-disc box set of Allo Allo I gave you? I was put under pressure. I had to donate it to a raffle of work. One of my personal troopers won it, I think. Ooh, I like your boys. Which one? The one I shot last week for saying good morning when he came to work each day. OK, well, why don't we practice your pre-titled speech instead? Hmm. <clears throat> In the zone, in the zone, in the zone. Puny humans, I am Magala, leader of the Grass Patrons, your overlords. You will tremble and quake and laugh till you ache as we present our new cross-cultural sitcom. At home with the Magalas. 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 They'll love it! Yes, that's what you said about keeping up appearances. It, it ran for years! And I still get sacks full of hate mail every week! Oh, nice. Well now, Nessa has had to leave the studio for a few minutes. Um, the online shop's been delivered, and she's arguing with the van driver over the short best-before date on the chicken breasts. Um, but that's okay, because... <laughs> Because it gives us uh, a bit of time to welcome back to the studio, uh, onto our show again, Simone Butts. Uh, now, as always, Simone is going to read the sad story of one of our fans, accompanied, as always, by appropriate sombre music. So, take it away, Simone. Simone. 
This week's story is about a young man who's had his fair share of family troubles recently. He's actually from a very prominent foreign family, so we'll change all the names to protect people's identity. We'll simply call him Spamlet. Now, Spamlet was enjoying his time at university, just like the other young men, until he got the terrible news that his father had died. And not only that, but his mother had married his father's brother, Claude, off the apprentice. <laughs> Spamlet was mad, in the angry way, not in the doolally way. He left his university campus with utter disregard for the restrictions and returned to the family home. And that's when things took a strange turn for Spamlet. He thought that the ghost of his father visited him and told him that he'd been murdered by Claude off the apprentice with some really strong ear poison. Spamlet's world was torn apart. He thought he might be mad in a doolally way, not the angry way. He didn't know what to do, who to trust, who he could talk to. Even his friends, Nosing Pants and Greg, tried to kill him. But he managed to outfox them with the help of Tom Stoppard and Captain Pugwash. Spamlet was mad again in the angry way, not the doolally way. He decided to get revenge and so pretended to be mad in the doolally way, not the angry way. But he was torn, he was confused, and when things got really low, he did, in fact, contemplate suicide. To make matters worse, his girlfriend died in a flower-related drowning incident and he killed his uncle's friends for doing ridiculous rat impressions behind the curtains. Spamlet was at his lowest point. All around him people were dying. He'd lost his father, his girlfriend, his two best friends, and so he did the only sensible thing left to do. He agreed to a sword fight with his girlfriend's brother. He was mad, in an angry way, and in a doolally way. The scene was set. This would finally help Spamlet to put his demons to rest. In a bizarre family, partly come jewel to the death, <laughs> Spamlet killed his girlfriend's brother and clawed off the apprentice. <laughs> and his mother accidentally poisoned herself with really strong drinky poison. Then somebody turned up to fart in bras and shoot some soldiers. <laughs> and that's really the end of Spamlet's story. The rest, he says, is silence. <laughs> Movies abridged for radio, number fifteen. See this lager. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. This one in the white can with the red logo. This 5% lager brewed in Belgium since 1926. I am all over it. The one that carries the dubious nickname Wife Beater because of its strength. Oh, I just love this lager so much. Interstellar. This is Bulls Rank, you can hear it's coming. His veins are coming up, his head's gonna explode. He's gonna go on and on and on. This is Bulls Rank. <laughs> oh dear, go on then. There's so much to rant about in oh the world, dear. isn't there, at the no, moment? No, there's not. Yeah, oh, there is. Oh, there is. <laughs> in your world, yes. Yeah. Oh, I think in everybody's world at the minute. <laughs> I think we're all having a good rant, and rightly so. But let me tell you <laughs> what's got me wound oh, up this come week. On then. Why do supermarkets feel the need to move their stock around every now and then? <laughs> and put things on completely different fucking shelves to and and apparently oh god, it didn't take as long to get started, no, no. did it? But apparently the reason, the actual reason mm-hmm. is to make you wander around, to go around and look up and down yeah, at shelves. So that you don't head directly to where you usually go and you pick up other stuff on the way. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So you'll see new things that you wouldn't have seen mm-hmm. and go, Oh yeah, I'll buy that or oh yeah. I'll put that in. No. No, <laughs> supermarkets. Not Paul. That does not make me do that, right? I'm not putting different new things in me trolley, right? Because you've moved things around mm-hmm. onto different shelves. All that's happening is I'm walking around fucked right off while I find me bread and me milk and me fucking Haribo. That's all that's happening. Oh, this right? is what's upset you. They moved your Haribo. Whatever it is, yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, but no, the other thing is, though, right? Because it, it took right. you five more minutes to get your Haribo. Yeah, and it, it made, and it meant that I was wandering around fuming and angry for five more minutes. And here's the other thing, <laughs> right? Right? Because, you know, there's some supermarkets that um, it's their policy that, uh, that, that if you ask a staff member, oh, where's this, where's that? They will take you to it. They'll take you yes. to the shelf. Yeah. Right. I'm not a fucking imbecile. Just tell us it's in aisle seven and I'll find aisle seven. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the ones that, the ones that do like take you to where the product is. Uh. Right. The supermarket's moving everything around. And I ask someone, I ask a staff member who's busy. Stacking tins of beans on the shelf. Excuse me, can you tell me where the Haribo is now, please? <laughs> oh, I like the now. <laughs> yeah. But all that happens is that person has to come away from their job and it's, it's really fucking awkward because you can feel the resentment seething out of this person <laughs> while he has to walk here to where the Haribo is. And Do you think they have training in the, in the morning when they change everything round to... They get given a little map so they I, know which ones. Yeah, because they know immediately. So they must. I wonder if they get homework. I wonder. <laughs> see, that's another thing. These poor staff members who work in supermarkets, if they haven't got enough to deal with, twats like me shouting at them 24 <laughs> exactly. 7. They've now got to take a map home every three weeks and learn the entire new layout I'd of the take store. Take a bag of Haribo and slap you around the face with it and go, there's your fucking Haribo, sir. What if you were working in the yep. supermarket? Hmm. <laughs> Do you think I'd have a job for long? I don't know. Talk about bag for life, job for life. (laughs) Slap for life. Getting really angry over trivial, pointless, pathetic little things. That was Paul's rant. 
Yeah, well, when the gangrene set, and I had to have it amputated straight off. Sylvia, we're live. Oh. <clears throat> Welcome back. It's that time of year again when we celebrate continuing dramas with the National Soap Awards. As usual, the two heavyweights, EastEnders and Coronation Street, are the front runners for best soap. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of drama and glamour as the evening unfolds. We've sent our correspondent, Jeremy Pipette, onto the red carpet. And I believe we can go over live to him now. Jeremy, can you hear me? Hello, Sylvia. Just describe to us the general atmosphere there. Well, it's quite busy, Sylvia, as you'd imagine. Uh, I can see a lot of members of the general public milling around. Of course. And have any celebrities arrived yet? Uh, no, Sylvia. I'm not really expecting any celebrities. But the soaps, Jeremy. It's the National Soap Awards. Oh, yes, absolutely. Surely they must all be there now. They are indeed, Sylvia, yes. Yes, just over to my left here, I can see Daz. Really? Daz Dyer is there? The actor who plays Cockney villain Dick Charter in EastEnders? Uh, no, no, Sylvia, no, not him. I, I actually mean... Oh, oh, hang on. Uh, I can just see Ariel arriving. Ah, oh, Ariel Go Lightly, soon to be featuring in Hollyoaks. No, Ariel 3-in-1 Dishwasher Pods. Ah, uh, and uh, there's Purcell over there, uh, Fairy Non-Bio on the top shelf there. Oh, and I can see at the end there, there's a whole pyramid display of comfort. It looks like that's on offer. Jeremy, are you just looking at a whole load of soap detergents? That's right, Sylvia. The shelves are packed. <sighs> Where are you, Jeremy? I'm just south of Birmingham, Sylvia, in the soaps and detergents aisle. We told you to cover the soap awards from the red carpet. Oh, I thought you said Redditch Market. Jeremy Pipette there, in a market in Redditch, and not the red carpet in Leicester Square. Coming up next, a review of This Week in Parliament with Martin Clunes and Gino DeCampo. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Here we go. I like these ones. Yeah, what like you got? You'll like what this one. You'll like go this one. On, Many recordings of Churchill's wartime speeches are the work of BBC voice actor Norman Shelley. Right. He was what? La- yeah, he was later famous as Colonel Danby in The Archers. But at the time, Churchill was just too busy with the war to go to the studios. I mean, of course he would have been, wouldn't he? Yeah. Hang on. So, Churchill, the speeches that we know weren't actually Churchill. Yeah. They were recorded by some (laughs) BBC actor, radio actor. What was he doing? I guess he was doing an impression of Churchill. (laughs) We'll fight them on the beaches and all. Do you think he'd done that? No, Churchill's got to have done that one. That was one of his first ones ever. I don't know. That's but bizarre. we actually we actually see the visual of him doing that, isn't it? Wasn't it put out on TV then as well? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure I don't that know. Churchill one we have actually seen. But I, so he must have done it. Yeah, he might have recorded them later. Churchill yeah. might have recorded them again later. Yeah. But at the time, <laughs> I, lo- I just love the fact that they got a BBC actor to do it. Like a, so, he was in the Archers. Yeah, so he ended he, up being in the right, Archers. Right, right. 
Uh, but then <laughs> the it ended. I played Churchill, goddammit. <laughs> you can imagine Church it though, then, can't you? In them days, you can sort of, you can you can see it happening. Yeah. I couldn't really see that now. Can you imagine <laughs> bloody, a BBC actor today? They can imagine Danny Dyer doing... <laughs> Oh, we bite them on the fucking. B- we'll bite them. We'll bite them on their fucking ass. That's the Churchill dog. <laughs> Strange but true. It's strange but true. Movies abridged for radio, number nineteen. A figure in the book of Genesis, she was the first woman, and also Adam's wife, succumbing to the serpent's temptation to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she and Adam were expelled from the Garden of Eden. From her third son, Seth, the world was given Noah, who saved all the animals two by two from a twat of a flood, thus saving mankind, all thanks to this remarkable woman. All About Eve There you go, that's it. Another episode has come to an end. <laughs> You're <It's>... right, dear. <laughs> I'm not sure. Is it time sure. to take you back? <laughs> it's time to take me pills. <laughs> Oh, God, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Happy Hour, episode 14. (laughs) Yeah, we do hope you've enjoyed listening to Happy Hour. Please let us know on the socials, tweet, and tell all your friends as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll be back um, next time. Episode 15. Episode 15, yeah. Yeah. Come on, dear. There are going to be a dark room. It's a struggle. I don't need to go and lie down and have a word with myself. Movies abridged for radio, number 22. Ghost. You've been listening to Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour, conceived, written and performed by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Sketches were written by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Megala was written by Tim Gambrell and featured the additional voices of David Foster, Adam Ramsey and Jordan Todd. Incidental music was by Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.io. The script editor was Paul Dunn. Happy Hour is a Crank Danville production. See you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs>